Okay, well, good morning, you guys. Happy New Year. So great seeing you. Would you go ahead and open your Bibles to Matthew uh, chapter 9? And as Renee said, we're going to continue or launch, actually, uh, the start of our brand new series, 21 Days of Prayer and Fasting. Now, I don't know how about you guys, but man, I don't know, it's just something about December and coming from Thanksgiving where you just kind of grind and pig out and watch football, right? College football, NBA season just started, and you're just shopping and just, while you're shopping, oh, I'm going to stop by Cinnabon, right? Oh, I'm going to stop by Jamba Juice. And you're just kind of filling yourselves up, and uh, it feels like we're a little bit hungover from having a little bit of too much, too much. Um, you know, good thing it's January, and it's time for the annual fast and resolution. Now, when my family was here, um, I don't know if you've noticed this, but when you, how many of you guys are going on vacation this year, right? That when you plan your vacation, yeah, you plan it around sightseeing stuff, but if we're honest, if we're going to hashtag keep it real, we, we plan our vacation around food, right? Because we don't go to Portland because we want to keep Portland weird, but we go to Portland because of the culinary experience, right? So when my brother and his family came down, it was just like we planned everything around food. It's like, dude, you want the best garlic shrimp? Where do you go? Giovanni's, right? You go to North Shore. I was like, oh, you want good local food? No, we want Hawaiian food. Like, no, there's local food and there's Hawaiian food, right? So if you want local food, we'll go to Side Street Inn and get some fried rice and some beef kalbi. He goes, if you want Hawaiian food, you know, we could go to Highway Inn. We could go, um, uh, if you want fresh poke, you know, we could go off the hook, whatever it is. And we planned our whole vacation around food. And here we are, January 5th, and we're going to be talking about prayer and fasting. You know, um, instead of dieting or fasting, why don't we press in a little bit deeper? Rather than simply changing the way our appearance is, why don't we change our perspective? See, fasting, see, dieting changes the way you look. Fasting changes the way you see. When you and I deprive, we starve our body, we starve our appetites, we starve our desires in order to feast in the presence of God, it's a game changer where our perspective, our hearts, our desire, our appetite changes. That there is a turning that happens within our hearts. There's a turning that happens within our physical bodies when we fast and we seek the presence of God. That we, through fasting and prayer, there's a heightened sense of sight. That we will see a greater vision that God has for us. Because John chapter 10 says that Jesus has come to give us an abundant life. So are there some areas that you need to see through? Are you tired of being limited in how you look and how you see things? Or are you ready to be released of your 
parochial or short-sightedness of just this is what I see now, this is what I'm experiencing, that we can't go past our struggles, that we can't go past our hang-ups, that we can't see past what God is doing. And I believe fasting and prayer will do that. Now, uh, if we could put the, the timer, Noah, um, so that we don't go over, especially we have a communion today. Um, there's different types of fasting. Uh, I'll just go through it real quickly. You don't have to um, take notes. I put in there scripture references, but uh, a lot of the fasting in the Bible, there's situational response, especially in the Old Testament. So if we look through, the first type of fasting, this is from uh, Richard Foster, okay? And this is what he says, right? That uh, we fast to strengthen our prayer life, that it strengthens prayer. James says that the effective prayer of a righteous man avails much, that there is a power when we pray. Fasting strengthens our prayer and our prayer life. Let's look at Ezra chapter 8, verse 23. If we could go there, please. Ezra 8:23. So we fasted and we implored our God for this, and he listened to our entreaty. There's a combination of prayer and fasting and um, strength that God hears and listens because we take things seriously. God takes, when we take God seriously, he takes us seriously as well, right? If you seek him, you will find him. If you seek him with all your heart, Jeremiah chapter 29 says. Let's look at the next slide. Why, what's another purpose for, for fasting? That where we fast to seek God's guidance. And when they had appointed elders for them in every church with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. See, when they chose leaders, who was going to replace the leaders in the different church plants? They're like, oh, what are we going to do? Let's fast and pray. Before you need to make a major decision in your life, you and I should seek the Lord in prayer and fasting. Why else? What's another purpose that people fast? Well, they do it to express grief. Look at 2 Samuel chapter 1, verse 12. Next slide, please. 2 Samuel chapter 1, verse 12. And they mourned and wept and fasted until the evening for Saul and for Jonathan his son, for the people of the Lord and for the house of Israel, because they had fallen by the sword. So people fast because they're grieved. That's where we get that term, colloquialism. It's like, ah, oh, I lost my appetite. That you're so grieved of what's happening. Maybe some of us this morning, let me just pause here. We need to grieve over the fact that the people, there's people that you love, there's people that I love that are not walking with the Lord. We have to grieve that and feel it, and we need to pause and we need to pray. Whether it's a child, whether it's a family member, whether it's a coworker, whether it's a neighbor that you know and you love and they don't know the Lord or they walked away from the Lord and you're, you need to grieve and pray and fast. Another purpose for fasting is seeking deliverance and protection. Seeking deliverance and protection. Look at Second Chronicles chapter 20, verses 3 and 4. Then Jehoshaphat was afraid and set his face to seek the Lord. And he proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah, and Judah assembled to seek help from the Lord. And from all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. 
that if you need protection and deliverance, it's time maybe for some of us to fast and pray. You fast and pray to express repentance. Look at 1 Samuel chapter 7, which is also in Jonah chapter 3. So they gathered at Mizpah and drew water and poured it out before the Lord and fasted on that day and said there, we have sinned against the Lord and Samuel judged the people of Israel at Mizpah. Maybe there's a habitual sin that we keep stumbling. Hebrews says there's a sin that easily besets us, that it, we're easily stumbled by a sin that has become habitual. And maybe some of you, you've given hope that you will never get over this sin, that you will never get over this vice, that you will never get over this attitude, this um, unforgiveness, this anger, this lust. Maybe it's time that you repent and grieved and wept and tears would flow as an expression of your repentance before God. First Kings chapter 21, you fast when you humble yourself before God. When Ahab heard those words, he tore his clothes and put sackcloth on his flesh and fasted. And the word of the Lord came to Elijah the Tishbite saying, so God says this, have you seen how Ahab has humbled himself before me? So there's a, there's a marriage here. There's a connection between fasting and humility. When we fast, it shows a humbleness of heart, a posture of humility before God that, Lord, I can't do this. Lord, you're going to have to do this. Lord, this is not my own strength. Lord, you're going to have to deliver. Jesus, I need more of you. You fast and we pray to express concern for the work of God. Look at Daniel chapter 9, verse 2 and 3. And that the desolation of Jerusalem, Jerusalem's going to fall, it would last 70 years. So I turned to the Lord God and I plead with him in prayer and petition and in fasting and in sackcloth and ashes. If you have work to do for God, if there's an assignment in your life, to reach your coworkers, to reach your neighbors, man, maybe it's time to seek and, and fast and pray. You, we fast and pray to minister to the needs of others. Let's look at Isaiah chapter 58, verse six and seven. Is it not this the kind of fasting I have chosen? Is it not to share your food with the hungry? and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter when you see the naked to clothe them and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood. We also fast and pray to overcome temptation and to dedicate ourselves to God. And we see that in the life of Jesus in Matthew chapter four, verses one and three. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit. If we go to the next slide, please, Noah. If you catch this, because Jesus was led by the Spirit he was led to be tempted, but he was led to fast. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry, and the tempter came to him. You know what fasting does? Fasting develops a resolve in you. That no matter what happens, it's not a matter of if, it's a matter, it's a matter of when, that you're not gonna have this situational ethic, like, oh man, well, I'll cross, I'll cross that bridge when I get there. 
But when you, especially before the beginning of the year, who knows what's going to happen in 2020? I have no idea. How many of us thinking on December last year or two weeks ago that U.S. would <laughs> um, strike Iran and, and, and kill the military uh, general? And with all this unrest, we fast and we pray because we don't know what's going to happen in 2020. So what will we do? We seek the face of God. We deprive ourselves of food. We strengthen ourselves in the Lord so that we have our minds made up, our heart is set that no matter what happens in the future, come what may, sickness, death, loss, financial, whatever it is that's going to happen in the future, I will love and follow the Lord. I have decided to follow Jesus. I'm not going to bail out. I'm not going to tap out. That fasting strengthens and de develops your resolve to follow God. Um, fasting expresses love and worship to God. In Luke chapter 2, and then as a widow until she was 84. Oh, man, I love this. 84 years old, she did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. That we fast and pray because we want to show that, Lord, I love you. You're more important to me than a cheeseburger. <laughs> Jesus, you're more important to me than Netflix. Jesus, you're more important to me than sugar. You're more important to me than Instagram or, or Facebook or social media, Lord, that I want to show how much I love you by fasting and prayer. So with all that being said, <laughs> I, I went through like three different books, compiled everything, but there's a man whose name is Richard Foster. He wrote a book called Celebration of Disciplines, and he put down probably what he believes to be the most important verse regarding Christian fasting. Not just fasting biblically in the Old Testament, the New Testament, but what is Christian fasting all about? And with that, could we all stand together? Uh, Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9, I believe, is probably um, the most important uh, Bible verse regarding fasting for the Christian. Matthew chapter 9, I'll go ahead and read. Then the disciples of John came to him, saying, Why do we and the Pharisees fast? But your disciples, Jesus, they do not fast. Jesus said to them, Can the wedding guest mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? The days will come when the bridegroom or the groom is taken away from them. And when the bridegroom is taken away, then they will fast. This is the word of the Lord. Father, we invite you right now, O oh God. Not only for strength, but Lord, most importantly, that you would change our desires that Jesus, that we would want you more than anything. That no food, no entertainment, no pleasure, Lord, no leisure would compare to knowing you and loving you. So Lord, you're gonna have to do this 
because your word says it's not by might nor by power but by your spirit so father i pray lord that in this journey these next 21 days of fasting that you would change our affections change our desires that loving you and delighting in you would be our portion and our strength in jesus name we pray amen amen you may be seated so with all that being said here's the big idea okay would you write this down fasting is a means of god's grace to strengthen and sharpen my affections for jesus fasting the deliberate withdrawal or abstinence from food is a means of god's grace meaning fasting is a gift it is a way that you and I could draw closer to Christ. It is a way that you and I could, could um, take on the character of Christ. It is a means of grace to strengthen and sharpen what? My affections. That your desires, my desires would be strengthened for Jesus. That's the whole purpose of the Christian fast. Now, Fasting is an exceptional measure. It's designed to channel and express our desire for God and our holy discontent in a fallen world. You see, you guys, fasting is not for the spiritual elite. It is not for those who are satisfied with the status quo. When we pray, let your kingdom come, we believe and we contend and we Fight for something. We're going to fight, Lord, that your kingdom, your, your reign and rule would come upon my family, over me, over my marriage, Lord, over this state, over this community, oh God. That we, we fight and we contend for the kingdom of God to come. For those who want more of God's grace, for those who feel, truly feel desperate for more of God, fasting is a way to strengthen my affection for Jesus. Now, in Matthew chapter 9, um, there's three groups that oppose Jesus. The first group uh, are the scribes in verse 3. The second group is in the Pharisees in verse 11. Now, in verse 14, there's John's disciples. Now, John the Baptist is a gnarly dude, okay? He had for loincloth, for his Bebedees, he wore camel's hair, okay? Could you imagine camel's hair, how coarse and how rough that is? He had that for his undergarments, and he ate locusts, grasshoppers, for his diet. He was a gnarly dude. He lived out in the wilderness. And John the Baptist, he was, and his disciples, they were into ascetic um, lifestyle, meaning they deprived themselves. So here comes John's disciples, along with the Pharisees, along with the scribes, they asked Jesus, Jesus, man, we're fasting here. We're depriving ourselves. But these disciples of yours, how come they don't fast? And what was Jesus' response? Hey, as long as the groom is here, we're going to feast. How many of you have ever fasted during a wedding? No one has ever fasted during a wedding, right? During a wedding is when we celebrate. How many of you fast during Thanksgiving? Nobody fasts during Thanksgiving, right? Because we celebrate. How many fast during Christmas? No, it's a time to celebrate. So Jesus says, while the groom is here, we feast, we eat. But 
when the groom is taken away, when Jesus hung on that cross, when he was buried, and when he rose on the third day, and when he was resurrected, and when he ascended, after spending 40 days here on earth, when he ascended to the right hand of the Father, then we fast. So in other words, fasting, would you write this down? Number one, fasting fuels my affection for God. When you and I fast, it triggers, it spurs our affections for Jesus. Well, Jesus was here, they didn't fast because Jesus was present. But when the bridegroom was taken away, there should be this ache. Remember the word? Maranatha, come, Lord Jesus, come. That there is this longing, there's this physical exclamation point where we say, Lord, I need you. Jesus, I want you. I long for you. You are my treasure. I want more of you. Oh, return, Jesus, return. Come, Lord Jesus, come. That, Lord, I can't even eat right now. I can't even be on my social media. I can't even enjoy this. I'm going to put that away because I want more of you. Lord, if you've ever been in a rut and you're going through the motion, it's the same old Christianity, the same old song, the same old Bible, and you're just kind of going through it, and there's no growth, or there's no desire or longing for more of Jesus, when it's become a, relation, uh, a religion, when it's become more of a, a duty, I have to discipline myself, I gotta do my devos, check it off. Whereas fasting is like, Lord, I, I just need more of you. I, I want to see you come back. Lord, you're the bridegroom, you're the groom, you've been taken away. I want to see you face to face. I want your kingdom to come, Lord God, over my addiction, over, Lord, my, my habitual sins, oh God. Would you come? This is more important to me than food. This is more important to me than my leisure, than my pleasure, oh God. Would you strengthen my desire for you? This is what fasting is. This doesn't go to duty or asceticism or denying yourself. This goes to, Lord, I want to love you more than anything. Look at Psalms chapter 63, verse 1. You, God, you're my God. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. The heart is one that is longing. So when we fast, we put our stomach and that hunger right where our heart is to give intensity and expressiveness to our ache for Jesus. Let me repeat that. When we fast, we're putting our stomach where our heart is to give intensity and expressiveness to our ache for Jesus. We fast to express our longing or our aching for all the implications of Jesus' power in this present moment. I want to see people get healed at church. 
I want to see people get saved. I want to see marriages reconciled. So what do we do? We ache, we seek, we fast, we long for this to happen. Therefore, we ask Jesus to come by putting an exclamation point to the longing of our desires. For the past two years, our church right now, we've been averaging about 130, 140. I was like, Lord, I want more of this community to know you, oh God. There's so many people here. Lord, let this New Hope Community Church be a lighthouse and a beacon, oh Lord. Let us plant more churches. Lord, that your signs and wonders would take place. I want more of you, Jesus. I just don't want to go through service where everything is programmed. Program is good, structure is good. But Lord, I just need more of you. How many of you want more of Jesus in your children's life? Maybe you have children that are prodigal right now. And you're just like, well, they're just going through rebellion. Maybe it's time for you to seek and fast and pray. You guys saw my mom, man. <laughs> you saw her tenacity, just tenacious spirit, fervent spirit to pray and to usher and pray her kids into the kingdom of God. You know how many times she's fasted for me and my brothers? You know how many times, how many tears have been offered up on behalf of me because of my mom's prayer? Fasting is this longing of more of Jesus that nothing else can satisfy. That Disney Plus, after church, you're looking forward to it, or the playoff game, or a nice, you know, CPK pizza, whatever it is that, ah, Lord, this is not as important as you, Jesus. That's what fasting does. It, it adds an intensity for your desire. So how many of you want to grow? How many of you want a fervent relationship with Jesus? Or how many of us are just content and lukewarm. You know what Jesus says in Revelation with the church in Laodicea who is lukewarm? You're neither hot or cold. Because you're neither hot or cold, you have, you, you have no usefulness in the kingdom. You're just taking up chairs. If you are, choose one, because you're kind of in this between, you're sitting in the fence, you're lukewarm, I wanna <laughs> spit you out. You're disgusting in my palate, Jesus says. So if we don't wanna be lukewarm, if we don't want to be nominal Christians, nominal means you're just a Christian by name, but not by, your fun but not by the functional lifestyle, then maybe it's time for us to pray and to fast. Psalm 84, verse 2. My soul yearns and even faints. Can you see the imagery here of just this longing and desire for God? For the courts of the Lord, my heart, my flesh, it cries out for the living God. And time is up.
And I have a couple more points, but we'll just stop here. If I could be honest with you guys, um, just, you know, preaching six weeks straight, and then tonight I have to preach at a, um, a youth night at New Hope Oahu, and I'm just like, I've been dreading. I'm just like, ah, oh, I just want to relax. I just want to chill. I want to watch the world. I don't want to be studying. I don't want to be praying. I don't want to be seeking. And it was such a struggle this week, even to the point of last night, I'm just like, oh, Lord. And it just reminded me the importance of fasting and prayer. And it brought back tears because I was like, Lord, when was the last time I wept for you, oh God? Because I want you so bad in my life. I need you so much. And this is what fasting is all about. It's this stirring of my affections for Jesus. What is the greatest commandment? It's to love God with all my heart, all my soul, all my strength, to love him with every fiber of my being. This is what fasting does. That it, it activates, that you're, you tell your desire, you tell your stomach that they're not boss, Jesus is boss. That you tell your desires, you know what? Food comes and goes, whatever it is, but I want Jesus more than anything. And, uh, and it brought me back to times uh, before we moved here to Hawaii. In California, we had a church member that owned um, cabins in Big Bear Mountains. And every year around January, for three days, I would fast for a retreat every year for about five years that before I made a decision to get married or marry Renee if she was the one I loaded up my car with my dog six gallons of arrowheads water that's all I brought I bought my Bible and my journal and I just prayed and fasted and sought the Lord before we moved here to Hawaii before leaving the comfort of everything that I knew and the security of taking over the, my dad's church in LA and believing for God's call here in Hawaii, I fasted for four days seeking the face of God because I want Jesus more than anything, more than money, more than financial security, more than accolades, more than position, more than a title. I want Jesus more than any of these things. And fasting does that to you. Fasting changes your hearts. So if you want to be a stickler of the law, um, biblical fasting is, is limited to food. But fasting, if it's meant to sharpen and strengthen your affections for Jesus, but if your affection is for entertainment, that you need to see what everybody else is doing, then maybe fasting for you looks like fasting from social media. Maybe for some of you it's television where you're just looking forward and you, oh, I can't wait. 
Maybe for some of us, it's desserts. <laughs> Maybe some of us, one meal a day, just take the time that you would usually go on your lunch break and go out to eat. Maybe go sit in your cubicle or go, go to the park. Go outside and pray, Lord, I want you more than lunch right now. So whatever it is, we come before the Lord and say, Lord, you're more important than anything else in this world. Amen? And so as we, um, I'm going to ask Mike and um, Patrick to come down. Um, and we're going to take our communion. And as we do that, may the, the elements, may the bread give you sustenance, that you would be strengthened. There's nothing magical about the bread or the cup, but it resembles, signifies symbolically the body of Christ that, Lord Jesus, I partake you right now. I consume you. You're inside of me, O oh Lord Jesus. Change my desires, Lord. Change my affection. Change my ambition. Change my priorities, O oh Lord God. It says, you eat of the bread and drink of the cup. Would you examine? Lord, I want to offer to you something that costs. What are some costly things, O oh God, that I can offer to you that would be a sacrifice, Lord, these 21 days that I could surrender so that I could feast in your presence. And as you're being served, could we wait on one another? And we'll sing this, I believe. He took the bread, broke it, and said, 
This is my body broken for you. Eat of this in remembrance of me. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your broken body. We thank you, Lord God, that for the joy set before you, Hebrews 12 says, that you endure the cross. So, Lord, I pray that as we eat of this bread, that you would sustain us, that you would strengthen us, that our desires and our affections would be for you, Jesus, more than anything else. So, Lord, we remember the sacrifice that you paid. We remember that it is accomplished, it is finished, that the fulfillment of righteousness has been fulfilled through your life, death, and resurrection. And we are accepted, we are forgiven, we are loved because of what you have done for us. So, Lord, strengthen us, empower us, O oh Lord, through your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's go ahead and eat of the bread. In the same manner, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood. Drink of this as often as you eat. For as often as you eat of the bread and drink of the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's proclaim the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus by drinking of the cup. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. 